Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. Saints, I hope today finds each and every one of you well. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Now, I know the message that I played yesterday by Bishop Fred A. Caldwell Sr. He is the pastor and teacher of the Greenwood Acres Full Gospel Baptist Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Now, I know it was an eye-opener. I'm quite sure some of you watched the movie. But this ain't about the movie. You know, Carlton Pearson is not the only minister of the gospel who fell from grace. And I finally watched it yesterday without any interruptions. And I paid careful attention. And I said this yesterday. I don't know if the movie is 100% accurate. No movies are when they do a biography of some people. And this was not his biography. This movie was about him falling from grace. But what I will tell you is that I cried at the end. My heart was touched because some of the things that I noticed that Oral Roberts and his ministry, whom Carlton was working under, was not telling the whole truth. And as a result, the young man who played the organ for um, Carlton Pearson's church, he was ill. And he ended up leaving the ministry. I don't know why. I think it may have been because Carlton would not, you know, stick with Jesus. Because Jesus, the blood of Jesus, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But in any event, the young man went back home to stay with his mother. He, he sent Carlton a letter. And the letter was given to him by, I think, his sister or either his wife. Carlton's sister or wife. And Carlton went to see this young man at the end of the movie. And it was the saddest encounter I could ever see on television. And it just broke my heart. Because if we do not share the truth with people about the forgiveness of sins found in the blood of Jesus and making people think that even after you accept Christ and you start sinning, you going to hell, you're going to be judged for that. That's not true because it's not biblical. It's not biblical, saints. And this young man, him and Carlton, started crying together. I was crying. 
like I'm doing now, I said I wasn't going to cry because my heart went out to him. And I said, well, if the blood of Jesus is only for us one time, well, then how can we get saved after you sin again after salvation? Because we sin every day. The Apostle John says that if you say you have no sin, the truth is not in you. You are a liar and the truth is not in you. But the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sins. So the believer, when you stumble, the Bible says God is able to pick uh, a just man up seven times. And that may be seven times 700. So Jesus is available to us every day. Every day, not just one time, not just during that confession, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, yes, we have to do that. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There are no stipulations behind that. And I said, if this young man accepted Christ, he is saved. However, let me say this, because I don't want nobody misunderstanding what I am about to say. So I pulled up scripture. Because we sin even when we don't know we are sinning. The blood of Jesus covers that. Intentional sin that we have control over, that's what we need to be confessing. If you do something wrong or you say something wrong to someone, because I do it all the time. I know I said something wrong to someone. I, When I get home, I start praying and asking God to forgive me. And I feel good because I know those sins are forgiven. God is able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But when I heard or, or Roberts and them, if the movie is accurate, uh, they were more concerned about numbers in the church. How many members are there? Because that's if the more members you have, the more money you receive. And telling people about their sins and they're going to hell. And they're talking to people who accepted Christ. And I said, no wonder Carlton Pearson fell off the map. I mean, he was given misinformation for 25 years. So because his uncle died, I don't want to digress too much, but this is important for you guys to hear before we embark upon episode nine of Finding Jesus in the Scriptures. This man was carrying on his shoulders, and I'm talking about Carlton, the death of his uncle Quincy. Because he did not share the gospel with his uncle when his uncle died. And so what he decided to do, that he allowed a door to be opened for Satan to come in and screw his mind up. Because for number one, honey, salvation ain't on our shoulders. We are told to share the word, preach the word. If you receive it, fine. If you don't, we move on to the next. I'm not carrying no weight. I don't care if you accept Jesus or not. I'm just glad my family saved. And 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 Lord, I, I hope my heart is right when I said that. I would love for everyone I know to accept Christ. Because if you're not, you need to understand John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Now, either you accept what Jesus say or you reject it. I'm saved and you cannot be unsaved. Man cannot take you out of God's hands and man cannot take you out of Jesus' hands. Jesus said, I and my father are one. 
So what happens when a Christian is living in open sin and refuses to change? Now, when I say a Christian, I'm talking about someone who really truly accepted Christ in their heart. So what happens? Okay, this was going on in the Corinthian church, the church at Corinth. And a letter was written to the Apostle Paul about this issue. And Paul wrote a letter back telling them what they needed to do and also explaining what was going to happen to that sinning Christian. Here, now, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 1 on until I stop, okay? Because this is very important. You have to stop letting people who want to put God's salvation plan in their hands and they tell you who's saved and who's not saved and, and, and who can be unsaved, you won't find a scripture in here that supports somebody being saved and then lost. It's not here. I checked. If it was, I would be saying that I'm bold enough. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. This is the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church to address an issue. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And such sexual immorality is as is not even named among the Gentiles or either the pagans, the pagan worshipers, that a man has his father's wife. So there in the Corinthian church, there was a man who was sleeping with his father's wife. Okay. In the Corinthian church. So the man was going to church. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, verse two, and you are puffed up. And have not rather mourned what, what the Apostle Paul is saying. I mean, y'all are being, y'all are actually rejoicing about this instead of being angry and saddened about it. That he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. This is what Paul is saying. Y'all need to put him out the congregation. Okay. And this is what the church is not doing today. And especially if you bring in money. Because they can't put you out of the body of Christ, but they can put you out of the congregation. The Apostle Paul says, who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Verse 3, for I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged. Paul said, I already thought about this thing. I already know what you have to do with him. As though I were present, him who has, has so done this deed. Verse four, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse five, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Did you hear what I just read? That his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Paul is saying here, look, Go ahead on and, and let him have Satan leading his life out there, sleeping with his father's wife, his stepmother, because they said wife. So that's his stepmother. Put him out there with Satan, because what Satan is going to do is make sure that he destroys this young man's flesh to such a point this young man, is he dies early or dies before his time. But listen to the latter part of verse five, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus, because our spirit is was saved, not our flesh. Everyone's flesh is going to die. 
Paul say he's still saved, but he just go ahead on and put him out the congregation. And this is why you need to put him out the congregation. Uh, congregation. I'm sorry. Let me slow down because I realize I'd be talking real fast. Um, verse six, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump or leaven? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. This We're talking about yeast. Verse seven, therefore... Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us. This is Paul reminding us. Yeah, he sacrificed for us. Yes, he saved. The young man is saved. Verse eight. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. My Lord, my Lord. Verse nine, Paul continues. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people because their behavior will spread through the church like it is today. You are, so you ask yourself, why the pastor, if y'all know about uh, people living in open sin, but they really believe in God, why y'all not putting them out the congregation? You can't put them out of Christ. That's that's understood because you ain't save them. You didn't put them in Christ and you can't take them out. So why y'all letting them stay in the church? But my reason for reading this is to let you know that individual is still saved. You ain't unsaved because you happen to fall in sin. Honey, you go confess your sin and the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Lord have mercy. Um, verse 10. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world. This is important too. Or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then you would need to go out of the world. Paul is saying, I wasn't telling you to judge the sinners of the world. I was telling you before, because apparently Paul had talked to them about this before, is to judge the ones among you. That's who we need to be addressing, not the world. The world needs to hear the gospel to draw them to Christ. And no, you don't, for those of you who have bad understanding, you don't come to Christ so that you can be a successful sinner. No, you come to Christ so that you can be saved from the judgment that's coming to this world. We are saved from that. There's now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We, we, we will not be condemned at the day of judgment. Okay? Because we are in Christ. But, the world needs to hear the gospel so that they can be saved. Lead them to Christ and then allow the word to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. That's how I got cleansed and delivered through the word of God, not through judgment from man. But here's the thing. Remember when Jesus told the disciples, it's the words I speak to you. Because of the words I speak to you, you have been cleansed. It is the word of God that can cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not your words and not your judgment. Verse 11, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. And I'm going to add, and a sister who is sexually immoral or someone who is a covetous or an idolater, someone who worships idols. And that's an idol God or a reviler, someone who's always arguing with people or a drunkard or an extortioner, extorting money out of people. Not even to eat with such a person. And I'll stop right there. 
And so I needed to read that. Paul is saying, look, we, we cannot associate with Christians who are openly sinning. And, and that's just truth. I know y'all have family and friends that you love dearly, that if they live in an open sin, look, you can love them from a distance. You can, you don't have to hang out with them. But if they go, if y'all go to the same congregation, the pastor is, suppo is supposed to put them out of the congregation. Now, the letter that Paul wrote, he wrote to the pastor to read to the church. Uh-huh. And that letter is still vibrant today. But God still loves that individual. You know why? Because Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. He said, never perish. He said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. We can't add to that or take away from that. So what Oral Roberts and his crew was telling Carlton Pearson, you know, about sin and God is going to judge. And I, no, we talking about, you know, people who are in Christ. Now, I will say this. Uh, I did my little research on Carlton, what he's doing now. He's preaching the doctrine of inclusion somewhere. And uh, because he was following some half truths and half uh, false teaching, he left the body of Christ. He left and teaching the doctrine of inclusion, which is excluding Jesus. You don't have to preach the gospel. So the man did fall from grace. And unfortunately, if he don't repent and recant before he leaves this earth, you know, he uh, going to hell when he dies. So those who may say, well, I thought that, you know, if you are in Christ, you accept Christ, you, you are never lost. Well, the question is, did he ever accept Christ in his heart? Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they do not follow strangers. So it was very easy for Carlton to leave Jesus. It was very easy. Oh yeah, I'm going to just preach God and everybody saved anyway the blood of Jesus. No, you can't taint the blood of Jesus and say anybody who don't even believe in him is saved anyway. People can go out there and just commit mass murders every day spew hate out of their mouths every day, have no love in their heart whatsoever, is not saved. They have not accepted Christ. It is the goodness of the Lord that leads man to repentance. And um, I want to make sure that is understood. It is the goodness of the Lord that leads man to repentance. So Carlton was on the right track and he allowed Satan to drive him straight off of the track. And now he's just off the track. He's, he's written books. I'm going to buy uh, one of them. I'm not encouraging you to do it because my thing is, if they have some people who are listening to me and following my teachings, which is uh, I follow the, the teachings of the apostles and the Lord Jesus Christ. If they are somehow following the doctrine of inclusion. See, I want to make sure I know what this man is saying to people so I can come back and give you scripture that contradicts it. Because without Christ, everyone is going to hell. And, and Christ left this so simple in John 14, 6. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So saints, I hope uh, you were blessed by that little uh, message. I know I strayed away for a second. I'm sorry, I'm adjusting my chair. So now let's get back to the message, finding Jesus through scripture. This is why it is so important that the body of Christ stick to sharing Christ in every scripture, in every message that we teach or share because people are at a loss and 
what happens if you are not feeding the sheep? Like Jesus told Peter, look, feed my sheep. He's talking about the word. He ain't talking about, you know, physical food for you to eat. He's saying, feed my sheep, because if you don't, they will get lost. Anybody can come with any wind of doctrine and take them away. Somebody who knows this word, you can't convince them that you don't need to hear the gospel, but they'll run you out their face. So we are still in Exodus. We may be moving on over to Leviticus before the end of this episode, but I'll see. I may cut it a little shorter since I used up 20 minutes. But uh, go on over to Exodus chapter 26, and I am reading from the NIV. Uh, if I happen to switch versions, I'll let you guys know. And I will be talking slower today. Thank you guys for the reminder. I will be reading verse 7. But you can read verse 7 all the way through um, 14. Wait, I changed my mind. I'm going to read, um, I'm going to switch to the New King James Version, and I'm going to read verse 7 all the way through 14, okay? And it says this, I've, I have already switched to the New King James Saints. Verse 7 of Exodus chapter 26. You shall also make curtains of goats, goat's hair, to be a tent over the tabernacle. You shall make 11 curtains. The length of each curtain shall be 30 cubics and the width of each curtain, four cubics. And the 11 curtains shall all have the same measurements. And I'm verse nine, because I, I just read verse eight. I'm sorry. I'm so used to reading straight through saints. I'm sorry. But if you are reading, you can see which verse I am switching to. So I'm, I'm verse nine. And you shall couple five curtains by themselves and six curtains by themselves. And you shall double over the sixth, the sixth curtain at the forefront of the tenth. Verse 10. You shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in one set. And 50 loops on the edge of the curtain of the second set. Verse 11. And you shall make 50 bronze claps. Put the claps into the loops. And if you hear something in the background, that's rain. It's, I'm sitting by a window. Um, claps into the loops and couple the tent together that it may be one. And one thing I'm saying, God is very specific in telling Moses how he want this tent. Verse 12, the remnant that remains of the curtains of the tent, the half curtain that remains shall hang over the back of the tabernacle. Now let's go to... Verse 13, and a cubic on one side and a cubic on the other side of what remains of the length of the curtains of the tent shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle on this side and on that side to cover it. Final verse number 14, you shall also make a covering of ram skins dyed red for the tent and a covering of badger skins above that. My Lord. Oh, my Lord. God is very specific, saints. So as we have just seen, the inner white linen curtain portrayed Jesus in his earthly righteousness and his holiness and, excuse me, and as king of heaven, whose blood atoned for the sins of his people. But what about these other three coverings? 
of goat hair and of ram skins and hides of sea cows. Now let us examine each covering from the outer to the innermost, okay? The outer covering has sometimes been, been called badger skins or sea cows. Now as here in the NIV, that's what it's called. Now, the animal was perhaps a, a porpoise whose skin would have been impervious to the desert sand and winds and the occasional thunder shower. Now, it was a material that was used for shoes and could have been found in the region of the Nile. It was the only covering visible from the outside. Now, as they were bleached by the sun, the skins became unsightly. However, Opposite, they were from the beautiful inner curtains of fine linen. They didn't look the same as the ones, uh, the inner curtains and the outer curtains didn't look the same. Now, the skins portrayed Jesus in his humanity. Okay, you got to remember the tabernacle is Jesus. It was temporary until the Savior came. The tabernacle represented the coming of the Messiah. Okay. Now we read in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 2, Jesus had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And again, Isaiah says in um, Isaiah 52 14, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. Now, on Calvary, Jesus was scourged with whips. He was blooded by a crown of thorns, and he suffered ultimate humiliation and shame. This is the way the world sees Jesus. That's the way the world sees him. They pay him lip service, but his name is often a, a you know, um, it's taboo. His person and his people are the subjects of ridicule. Yeah, you can, you know, criticize me all you want. I'm saved. Yeah, I'm going to heaven for, for eternity when my life ends here. Or if God decides to end this world tomorrow, I will be with the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus was unattractive. Now, unless the Spirit of God, you know, intervenes, Jesus was very unattractive, especially after they beat him like that. He was beaten to a pulp. He took all of that for you and me. So you think that Christ went through all of that and you commit one sin and you unsaved. So all of a sudden he removes his blood. It doesn't work that way. You are saved and you are saved forever. Now, only then when we are drawn into his fellowship, can we see the beauty and the majesty of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the ram skins are a portrait of Jesus as our sacrificial substitute who died in our place on the cross. From the earliest pages of Genesis, we see this principle. After Adam and Eve sinned and tried to cover themselves with leaves, God provided a covering of animal skins. Now, there, thereafter, animals sacrificed for human sin pointed to our ultimate substitute, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, and I'm back reading from the NIV, it says, who was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Hallelujah. Salvation is in the resurrection, saints. Forgiveness of sins is in the death on the cross. 
but salvation is in the resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now these ram skins covering the tabernacle were also dyed red. Why? Why? We're gonna, I'm going to tell you about that. Now we are reminded that only in Christ's shed blood do we have salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Yes. Yes. So let's read Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12. Okay. Um, this is where we are reminded that only in Christ's shed blood do we have salvation. Now, Jesus did not enter heaven by means of the blood of goats and calves. This Hebrews 9, 12 NIV. But he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Now, the author of Hebrews goes on to say that believers share in the efficacy of Christ's blood. Okay. Now, the inner covering just above the uh, linen curtains were made of goat's hair. The goat is seen often in the Old Testament, typically as a picture of sin. Uh, in Leviticus uh, chapter 16, verse, verses 8 through 9, we read these words. Aaron, verse 8, Aaron is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Verse 9, Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. Mm, mm, my Lord. Now, we need to examine the scapegoat in detail. Now, and I probably would do that, you know, in an upcoming um, chapter or either um, upcoming episode. Let's see, but I'll let y'all know if I can get there today. Now, I want you to notice that the first goat was to be sacrificed as a sin offering. The goat skins are a portrait of Jesus as our sin offering the one who had taken our sin upon himself. Now, Isaiah 53 verse 6 tells us this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, him who, the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. Isaiah prophesied that hundreds of years before it happened. God spoke to the prophet Isaiah and told him this was going to happen. I need to read that again. Isaiah 53 verse 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And people are doing that today. Carlton Pearson did that. He turned to his own, own way because he thought he could make himself feel better by saying or somehow convincing himself that his uncle went to heaven anyway without knowing about Jesus, without accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what he did. Yeah. He convinced himself just so that he can feel good. If you watch the movie, after um, he turned and tried to change the gospel, he told um, Oral Roberts and the crew that he had a, a weight lifted off his shoulders. Yeah. The weight should never have been on his shoulders. We ain't responsible for man's salvation. God is. If you listen to the message that I played by Bishop Caldwell, he read uh, the book of Acts. You know, God added to the church and the Lord added to the church. Only God can put you into the body of Christ, not man. Our job is just to share the gospel with you. Either you hear the gospel, God will search your heart if your heart is right 
and ready to receive his son, he will place that seal in you and you are sealed until the day of redemption. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, before his crucifixion, Jesus prayed this prayer in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. People often misuse that scripture. Boy, I tell you, they're always saying, you know, not my will, but the Lord's will. That ain't got nothing to do with you. This is about what Jesus was about to do. Take on the sins of the entire world. And he was going to be separated from the Lord, from, from God the Father. For the first time ever, because Jesus been with God, the Bible says, since the beginning. They were together. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. So for the first time, Jesus knew in order for him to have to die, he had to be separated from God. And he did. That's why he said, look, he had a little fleshly moment because don't forget he was in the flesh. He said, yet God, not my will, but yours be done. That's Luke twenty-two forty-two. Now, what was this cup Jesus was talking about? It was the sin he was to bear on behalf of the entire world, especially those who had already accepted him and those who were going to accept him in the future, such as us. Now, the father would turn his back on his son. Uh-huh. Because he could not look on sin. That's why God turned his back on his son, Jesus, because he can't look at sin. You know, now, as I quoted earlier, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's in 2 Corinthians 5.21, and I read that in the last episode. Now, you need to understand this. When God sees us, because we are as filthy rags, uh-huh, he sees Jesus. That's the mirror that God looks in. He sees the righteousness. His righteousness is right, is Jesus. The righteousness of God is in Christ and Christ alone is not in man. Okay, so we can't work to be saved. Our righteousness will never, ever be accepted by God. That's why it is so important for us to rightly divide these scriptures to people. Because other than that, they'll go somewhere else. You know, they'll follow uh, Carlton Pearson because what he's saying sound better to them. No, we need to make this simple. Christ did it all. He bore all our sins and the punishment that we deserve. Now, I want you to trot on over there. We are uh, still in Exodus 26. We're gonna, I'm going to read verses 31 through 33. Okay? Um, I'm in the NIV. I'm not going to switch. I'm going to read from the NIV. So this is God continuing to talk to Moses how to build the tabernacle. Okay? Verse 31. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen with the cherubim worked into it by a skilled craftsman. Verse 32. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Verse 33. Hang the curtain from the clasp and place the ark of the testimony behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. My Lord, my Lord. This veil or curtain separated the holy place from the holy of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant had resided. 
Now, only the high priest was allowed to enter the most holy place through this veil. And then only once a year on the day of atonement. And Hebrews 9 and 7 speaks about that. Again, we see cherubim embroidered on the veil. It's symbolizing their um, guardianship of God's holiness, if you will. Now, unlike the curtain that separated the outer court from the holy place, which invited the priest into fellowship with God, this veil was de um, designed to restrict, to separate, and to protect. Now, the veil was made of the same material as the covering seen from inside the holy place. It was a fine white linen and speaks of, of the person Jesus, who was sinless and perfectly righteous. Hallelujah. Now, the colors of yarn that created the cherubim are also the same. It's the same blue, purple, and scarlet. Now, remember that blue speaks of heaven. Purple speaks of royalty. And scarlet, it speaks of Jesus' blood. The veil is a picture of Christ's earthly body and heavenly, eternal kingship. Now, when the temple was built by King Solomon in Jerusalem, and y'all know King Solomon was David's son. It was built in basically the same pattern as the tabernacle. A holy place was separated from the Holy of Holies by a huge curtain. Now, some have said that the veil in the temple was four inches thick. That's what some say, but I don't know how thick it was. Now, on the cross in Matthew 27, verse 51, let's read this. When Jesus had cried out again, in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I shared this, guys, with you before. Now we are getting ready to go deep, and I'm going to explain how important this is. And I think this bears reading again. Matthew 27, 51 says, When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, the most holy place where all were forbidden to go except the high priest and him only once a year was opened by the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God for his son, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to notice that the veil was torn from top to bottom. No man tore this curtain. It was torn by the hand of God himself. Now, just as surely as um, was Jesus's life taken from him, in John 10, 18, it says, Jesus says this, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord because man can't kill God. Okay, remember Jesus was 100% God in spirit and 100% man in the flesh. Listen again, John 10, 18. Let me read it in its entirety. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Now, early tradition talks about the temple priest. They made several attempts to sew the curtain back together, you know, after it was torn uh, at the death of our Lord Jesus. Now, these actions would speak clearly of mankind's attempts to justify himself through his own works. God tore that curtain. You can't sew nothing back together that God tore. 
Jesus tore that curtain that separates the holy place from the holy of holies so that we have free access to God. We have free access to God because the high priest used to go behind that curtain to offer sacrifices to God for himself first and for the um, people. And it only covered the people for a year. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's why we got to preach Jesus, people. We got to explain to you what these scriptures mean. We got to find Jesus in the scriptures so people will not be, you know, blown away by every wind of doctrine. This whole thing is about Jesus. I mean, this whole thing is about Jesus. What thing? Salvation. You can't find it anywhere else. It's only found in Jesus. Now, but we are told over and over again in scripture that our works are but filthy rags. Remember Isaiah 64 verse 6 and Philippians 3 verse 9. Also, we can um, compare those two together. We are saved only through faith and that only by, gra by the grace of God. In Ephesians 2 89, as Paul says uh, to Titus in chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, and let me read, because we, we don't quote uh, Paul's letter to Titus as often as we should. Paul says, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done. We need to understand that so you can stop trying to work to be saved. You ain't saved because you give your next door neighbor something to eat. It's a good thing to do. Because we need to be careful to maintain good works, Paul says. But we ain't saved by it. We are saved by the works of Christ. The works he did. That's what we are saved by. Now let me um, read Titus again in its entirety without me interrupting myself. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. This is the NIV saints. He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done. But because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. That only comes through Christ. And the washing of rebirth is found in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the curtain in the tabernacle shows us the great gulf that exists between God, one, altogether holy and righteous, and a depraved humanity, us. Now over against the beauty of the fine white linen of the veil, we are the filthy rags of Isaiah 64, 6. Absolutely. Now finally, we don't have to imagine that the tabernacle veil outside the most holy place is a portrait of Jesus's body. Broken for us on Calvary. We don't have to imagine that. Now we are told so in Hebrews chapter 10, Verses 19 through 22. Listen to this. Still the NIV. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. That curtain that was torn in two when Christ died on that cross. That, that represented the body of Christ. Allowing us to access God through him. Hallelujah. Only way we can get to God is through Christ. And verse 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, which is Christ. Verse 22 says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. 
and having our bodies washed with pure water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 27, saints, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 and then verse 8. Okay? This is God still talking to Moses. Build an altar of acacia wood, three cubits high. It is to be square, five cubits long and five cubits wide. Verse two, make a horn at each of the four corners so that the horns and the altar are of one piece and overlay the altar with bronze. Verse three, make all its utensils of bronze, its pots to remove the ashes and its shovels, sprinkling bowls, meat, forks, and fire pans. Verse um, four, make a grating for it a bronze network and make a bronze right at each of the four corners of the network. Verse five, one, two, three, four, five. Um, put it under the ledge of the altar so that it is, it is halfway up the altar. Okay. I'm going to read, um, verses six, seven, and eight from the New King James, okay, saints? And, and y'all know I switched for uh, understanding reasons. Verse six, and you shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with, with bronze. Verse seven, the poles shall be put in the rings, and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar to bear it. Verse eight, you shall make it hollow with boards, as it was shown, shown you on the mountain, so you so shall they make it. So shall they make it. Now, when a priest entered the outer courtyard through the only gate, the first article of furniture he encountered was the brazen, the brazen altar. Now, on it, the substitutionary sacrifices of animals were carried on day and night without ceasing. Now, it is difficult for us to imagine this scene. I mean, I know it's difficult for me. Now, bleeding sheep and goats and uh, along with, with, with braying cattle slaughtered in front of the altar. Now, their blood was spilled out on the sand and their bodies then consumed as they were laid on the blazing fire. Why? So you may ask that. Why would God demand this terrible slaughter? And I'll tell you why. To show the Hebrews and us the awful seriousness of human sin and to provide the way for a solution to it. To what? To the sin. Mm -hmm. The way into the tabernacle had to go by the brazen altar. For anyone to enter into fellowship with the holy God, the, the way must lead by the cross of Jesus Christ. Where Jesus said, I am the truth. He said, I am the light. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when he say, I am the way, this is what Jesus is talking about. The way, truth, and life all have different meanings. The way must be led by the cross of Jesus Christ, by his blood, where our Lord shed his precious blood for the sins of people throughout the entire world. First John 2 and 2 says the altar foreshadowed the cross. That's what first John 2 and 2 says. Now, the altar was constructed of acacia wood, a desert hardwood that was not subject to deterioration. Okay. Now, we've already seen Jesus's humanity in this wood. The altar was covered with bronze. 
Bronze represents judgment in scripture. Now, as does the continuing fire of the altar, bronze is made by combining copper and tin and is an ancient metal, aloe, as opposed to its more modern counterpart, brass. Now, you may recall these verses of judgment in Leviticus 26, verse 18 and 19, where Jehovah God says this. If after all this, you will not listen to me, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. Verse 19, I will break down your stubborn pride and make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. Now, the altar was designed by God with four horns, one of each of its four corners. Now, these horns speak of power and mercy. Now, you may recall the horns described in the book, uh, the books of Daniel and Revelation that speaks of power. And of course, we read of men like Adonijah in fear of Solomon, who we went and took hold of the horns of the altar. That's in first Kings chapter one, verse 50. Now on the horns of the altar, we could find mercy in what other place in scripture do we find this combination? Huh? Yeah, I'm asking you questions like I can hear you answer. What other uh, uh, place in scripture do we find this combination? I can think of none other than the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to remember Paul's words in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So how uh, Carlton Pearson missed that? For everyone who believes. He said, you ain't got to preach the gospel. You ain't got to believe. The blood of Jesus just says everybody, period. That's it. That's because he was so upset that his uncle died and he had not shared the gospel uh, or shared the gospel with his uncle. And you're going to allow the death of your uncle to cause you to try to change the gospel. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The altar speaks of the grace of God that comes in power through his gospel. There we go. There we have it. Now, it's placed as uh, they were on all corners. The horns looked out to all corners of the world. So also God's grace is available to all people everywhere, not just to the people of Israel. It's to the Gentiles, too. Now, there are three sets of people on this earth, saints. I'm not sure if you know. There's only three kinds of people. It doesn't matter the ethnicity. Three kinds. First, the Jew. Okay. Second, the Gentile or either Greek. Anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile or Greek. And then we have the people of God. That's the body of Christ. That's it. Those are the only three types of people you have. And you decide if you want to be a Gentile or in um, God's family. That's how I put it. Now let's talk about the continuing fire on the brazen altar speaks of judgment. It speaks of judgment needing a little explanation. Now fire went out and, and consumed Aaron's son, Nadab and Abihu. Yeah, because of their sin against God. Leviticus 10 verses 1 through 3. And of course, Jesus spoke often of hell where the fire never goes out in Mark 9 43. Now, Carlton Pearson said there is no hell. Everybody saved. Everybody going to heaven all because his uncle died. Now, you tell me he didn't have a nervous breakdown. Jesus said hell is where the fire never goes out. Now, that's what the Lord Jesus said. So how you going to so believe Carlton over, over Jesus? 
Yeah, there is a hell. And remember the story that Jesus told about Lazarus and the rich man. He said, in hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes. In hell. So I don't want to get off on that. That's a whole nother teaching. Don't forget, I got all kinds of teachings coming up. So now I want to talk about the bloody sacrifices. You know, they were a horrible sight. They were. Now, so too, the awful cross on which our Savior died for the sins of the world. As Paul says unequivocally in Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Paul says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. And this is from the NIV. While we were still sinners, baby, you don't have to confess your sins before you get saved. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or your version may say Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, whose blood? Jesus' blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Hallelujah. He's saying the blood of Jesus is enough. The blood of Jesus is enough, saints. You ain't going to hell if you're in Christ. You will not be judged if, if you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stop being drawn away by every wind of doctrine. Jesus is it. He is it. Now, have you been justified by his blood? Have you? Were you there when they sacrificed our Lord? Uh -huh. Did he die for you? Yes, he did. So you can come to him in, in simple childlike faith. Faith is the evidence that, that he did. Yes, faith is the evidence that he died for you. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 30, verses 18 through 21. Okay, and I am reading. This is the NIV. Make a bronze basin. God is still talking to Moses. Boy, God wore, wore Moses out, didn't he? <laughs> Make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for the washing. Place it between the tent and of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Excuse me. Verse 19. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Verse 20. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting an offering made to the Lord by fire. Verse 21. They shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants. We are not descendants of Aaron's saints for the generations to come. Now, just before the priest would enter the tabernacle, um, the building from the outer court, he encountered the labor. Okay. Or what we, we, we may call it a wash basin. Now, like the brazen altar, he had just passed. The labor was constructed of bronze. Now, interestingly, we are told in Exodus 38 verse 8 that they made the bronze basin and its bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance to the tent meeting. Bronze accepted a um, mirror-like polishing. Now, that same mirrored finish was to be retained in the labor itself. Now, as the brazen altar represents the cross of Christ as the only way of salvation, so the labor represents the cleansing obtained by the word of Christ. It represents the sanctification of each believer. Now, the priests were to wash their hands 
and their feet prior to entering the tabernacle. The washing of the hands indicates cleanliness for our service in the kingdom. Washing the feet, cleanliness for our walk with Christ. Now the priests of the Old Testament ministered before the Lord and on behalf of others. We also are called to be priests. As we read in Revelation chapter 1 verses 5 through 6, it says this, to him, and I, I'm reading half of, of verse 1, I mean verse 5, okay? To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, we are free from doing and performing any rituals. Verse 6, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now we ought to walk before him and serve him in humble obedience to his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now Christ is the word of God. John chapter 1 verse 1 tells us that. And his is the word of Christ. Okay. God's word is the word of Christ and Christ is the word of God. Now, and that's Bible. Now, our very salvation, the new birth that brings faith, comes from Jesus' word. As Paul tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or it can be said like this. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Yes, it can be read like that. Now, Peter also says in 1 Peter 1, 23, for you have been born again, not of perishable or um, corruptible seed, but NIV says perishable seed, but of imperishable or incorruptible seed through the living and enduring word of God. That's what cleanses us, the word of God. Now, likewise, we are washed by Christ's word. Okay. The psalmist says in Psalms 119.9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John 15, 3 says, and you know, Jesus echoes this in John 15, 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. It is the words of Jesus that cleanses us. We are cleansed from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Paul says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Share the words of Christ with your unbelieving wife, husbands, so that she can be born again. Wives, share the word of Christ with your unbelieving husband so that he can be born again. Now looking into the large wash basin, the priest saw their reflection in, in um, its mirrored surface. You know, thereby reviewing their defilement and consequent need for cleansing. Likewise, we view ourselves over against the mirror of Christ's word and are able to see our sin and shortcomings. Now, a non-Christian once asked me why I read the Bible over and over. Mm, oh, my Lord. Uh, they said, well, you know, they asked me, wasn't once enough? Was it sufficient? And I replied, that one reason I read it over and over is to make aware of how far short I fell of God's standard of perfection. That's one reason. 
Another reason was to see in it the righteousness of Christ. Yes, graciously imputed to me on the cross. That's one of the reasons. And so that I can be given revelation of scriptures and I can share it with you guys. Yeah. Now, here is an extremely important lesson. As a priest entered the outer courtyard through the single entrance, he first had to encounter the sacrificial altar with its continuing fire. Now, as in the, the, the previous chapter, the altar represents Christ, the uh, cross of Christ. Now, it was only after passing the altar that he would come to the cleansing water in the labor. The priest, the priest, instead of me saying he, the priest will come to the cleansing water in the labor. Now, the true gospel of Jesus Christ is that before you can get cleaned up, okay, you have to go to the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and then let the word cleanse you. Yes, come to the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Come to the cross. That's where the blood was shed. On Calvary's cross, that precious blood, that holy blood. Now, both are works of the Holy Spirit in us. But sanctification, cleansing, always follows justification. Now, justification is the free gift of God through faith in his son and his atoning work on Calvary's cross. Now, saints, I want you guys to trot on over there to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 18, and I'm going to read... Um, Partial part of 17 and then verse 18, okay? Um, verse 17, the partial part, the latter part. The Lord said to Moses, verse 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. Now, I told you guys before, those of you who listen to me on a regular basis, um... The nation of Islam <laughs> uh, um, or, or the uh, Islamic faith says that Moses was talking about Muhammad. Now, we have already proven that Jesus is the tabernacle. He is the Christ. He is the one that was to come. He is the anointed one. He is the final word of God. We have already proven that. Now, they're going to go get Moses. Muhammad went and got Moses out of the Bible, the Holy Bible, Old Testament, Hebrew scriptures, and put him in the Quran. Yeah, say Moses was talking about him. Unbelievable. And y'all better watch what y'all listening to and what y'all following here. There's a lot of fake doctrine out there. Yes, a lot of false prophets, a lot of false messengers, a lot of false Christ. Oh, my Lord. Mm, mm, mm. My God. Now, Moses was foreshadowing of Jesus in his life. Yeah, yeah. Much like he saw uh, or we saw in the life of, of Joseph. Yeah, Jesus was in the life of Joseph and the life of Moses. Now, the principal comparison is that in the entire Bible, only Moses and Jesus occupied the three offices, a prophet, priest, and king. Okay, now the author of Hebrews, he draws a comparison as both are, are uh, presented as mediators between God and his people when he says this in Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verse 2. I'm trying to remember some of these scriptures, saints. Um, I didn't write down all of them, but yes, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2, and I'm using an electronic Bible still in the NIV. Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him, 
just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. So the writer to the Hebrews, why he didn't say Mo, why he didn't say Muhammad? I, I'm gonna leave that alone. We talking, we 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 finding Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures here. Um, and the uh, scripture also goes on to say, but Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. My Lord, my Lord, that's the entire verse. Chapter three, verse two. Let me read it again without stopping. Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him, which was God, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if we hold on to our courage and to the hope of which we boast. Hallelujah. Now we've already compared Moses' brush with death as a baby with that of Jesus's back in chapter 24. Like Jesus, Moses was of the house of Israel and was born in a time when Israel was in bondage. Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter while Jesus being um, sired by the Holy Spirit was adopted by Joseph. Now, both as in uh, chapter 28 were called out of Egypt. Now, each one had uh, compassion on Israel and knew from his early days that he had a mission to deliver his people from their slavery. That's Acts chapter 7, verse 25, and you can compare it with Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through, through 26. Saints, that's what you guys can study now. As I call out scriptures, I'm not going to read. I don't have time. Now, each renounced the glory and riches of a, a royal throne for a wilderness. Philippians 2 uh, verses six through seven, as Moses was rejected by the very people he was hoping to save, Acts seven sixteen and seventeen, so also Jesus was rejected by the people he came to save. Both Moses and Jesus were shepherds. Moses watched over his father-in-law's flock in Midian. Likewise, Jesus said in John ten sixteen, "I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also." They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now, if you don't understand the words of Jesus, Jesus, and you refuse to accept it, that's because you ain't of his flock. Yeah, that's because you are not of his flock. Let me read John 10, 16 again. Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this pen, this pen, uh, this sheep pen. I'm reading from the NIV. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Mm -hmm. My Lord. Now both Jesus and Moses, they were sent ones. Apostles that were commissioned by God. Now Jesus before the creation of the world, 1 Peter 1.20, and Moses at the burning bush, he was commissioned by God. Actually, he was commissioned by Jesus. Didn't we prove that Jesus was in the burning bush, the great I am? Who spoke to Moses? It was Jesus who gave Moses the laws to give to the children of Israel. Hallelujah. You either believe it and receive it or you, you know, don't believe it and reject it. Now, both Jesus and Moses performed mighty miracles. Moses appeared before Pharaoh and sent miraculous plagues upon Egypt. The Red Sea was parted and bitter water was made sweet. 
Now, Jesus turned water into wine. He cured diseases and he raised the dead. Now, by their miracles, each authenticated their authority from God. Now, of course, both delivered their people from slavery. You know good and well, no one could perform the miracles that Jesus and Moses did unless God was in them and with them. Hallelujah. Now, Moses delivered Israel from Egyptian slavery, and Jesus delivered his church from slavery to Satan. Uh-huh. That's what we were enslaved to Satan. Jesus deli delivered us from that. Now, both assumed headship of the church. Now, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, the Israelites were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Christians are baptized into Christ Jesus, Romans 6, 3. Now, later Moses' authority would be challenged. That's in Numbers chapter 16, verse 3. Jesus was continually challenged by the leaders of his day, the church folk. Uh-huh. Yeah, the religious leaders who didn't know the word of God kept challenging Jesus. If they knew the word, they would have known who he was. Can't nobody come to me with no foolishness. I know who Jesus is. And I know who this Bible is talking about. And that's one of the reasons I'm teaching you so you can know it can and cannot be deceived. Hallelujah. Both Moses and Jesus were physically threatened by stoning the method of public execution in Israel at the time. That's in Exodus chapter 17, verse 4. Let me read that. Moses cried out to the Lord. What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. In Jesus' day, the people picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. You couldn't touch Jesus until he was ready to go to the cross. Uh-huh. That's God for you. Now, and that's in John 8, verse 59. Now, both Jesus and Moses loved their people and felt great sorrow at their rejection. And yet, both prayed for those who persecuted them. He, they forgave them. Now, when they hurled in 1 Peter 2.23, it says, when they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Now, likewise, Moses prayed for the healing of his backsliding people in Numbers chapter 12, verse 13. My Lord. Saints, I think I'm going to stop right now. I wanted to keep going, but no, we will resume next week. How about I do uh, episode 10 and 11, um, Saturday and Sunday? All right. So those who are under the sound of my voice, who have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and don't believe that he is living today, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation because tomorrow is not promised to you. The day uh, this earth may end today. It may end in the morning. It could end 10 minutes after we end this show. I am extending that invitation. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You will be born again just confessing and believing that you are born again. You have received the new birth and God himself depending on the sincerity of your heart, places you in the kingdom of God where you are saved forever. You cannot be lost. Now, living out there in open sin, if you do not allow the word of God to cleanse you from all your sins and all unrighteousness, it can cut your life short. 
You know, you often hear people say, well, you know, it was his time to go. Says who? Because the Bible says God gives you between 70 and 120 years on this earth. So if you die before your time, like Ecclesiastes says, why die before your time? That means you can die before your time. So living in open sin can cut your life short. So saints, if you prayed that simple prayer, I don't care where you are. You don't have to be in a congregation. You don't have to be around thousands of people. You can be by yourself. Father God. I confess right now that Jesus is your son. He is the Christ. He is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. Therefore, he is seated at your right hands. If you said that prayer, saints, you are saved. You are saved. Don't let nobody take that away from you. Man cannot pluck you out of Jesus's hands and man cannot pluck you out of God's hands. The Lord Jesus said, I and my father are one. So with that said, saints, I can't wait to share episodes 10 and 11 with you next weekend. I want you to peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to Talking Bible Truth cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message so don't forget to click the follow button you can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.